you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Suppose what Oscar believed in as he died, in spite of your protestations, suppose it's all true, and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? I will basically, that is the odyssey, I think, I'll say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. And you think you're going to get in? No, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to get in on his terms. They're wrong. Now, if I died and it was was Pluto, Hades, and if it was the 12 Greek gods, then I would have more truck with it because the Greeks were... They didn't pretend not to be human in their appetites and in their capriciousness and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all seen, all wise, all kind, all beneficent. Because the God who created this universe, if it was created by God, is quite clearly a maniac, utter maniac, totally selfish, totally. We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him. What kind of God would do that? Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects whose whole life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could easily have made a a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable. So, you know, atheism is not just about not believing there is a, not believing there's a God, but on the assumption that there is one. What kind of God is he? It's perfectly apparent that he is monstrous, utterly monstrous, and deserves no respect whatsoever. The moment you banish him, your life becomes simpler, purer, cleaner, more worth living, in my opinion. That sure is the longest answer to that question. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. It is I, it is I, Richie X and I am back in your listening ear. Uh, I'm 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 here, y'all. You know, it's funny. I've been trying to be consistent, right? And you know, have these episodes come out more frequently. <laughs> and it's funny because what I notice is that the the listenership is larger when I am less consistent. <laughs> The more consistent I am, the 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 more it seems like you all are like, yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. Which either tells me you all you all have gotten sick of me, or um, you you'll get around to it when you can. You know, sometimes uh, podcasts that release less frequently, um. You know, tend to do. I've noticed that I do a lot better when I um, 
post less frequently, which is quite interesting. Um, but I'm here. You know, um, the last few weeks we've been discussing, uh, we've been doing this series uh, called No Church in the Wild, um, part one and part two, um, where, you know, which kind of was a spinoff of um, uh, the series does do do Black Lives Matter to God, um, and you know I, I just and I think the No Church in the Wild subject or title came from uh, Kanye and the the Evangelical Church and how they just kind of grabbed a hold to Kanye and that whole like Sunday service churchy worship thing and um I just wanted to bring up a few points um I don't know um you all don't really give a lot of feedback or any at all um and so, which I kind of presume, you know, just means, you know, you like the content as is. I don't know, y'all. I struggle. I struggle with, with, um, the way I am perceived, I guess. You know, it's probably, you know, ruminating, autistic, you know, autistic ruminating or looping. And I'm probably just playing it over in my head, over and over in my head and saying to myself, you know, the people don't like you. They don't want to hear you. They don't want to hear you ramble about this shit. They don't want to hear you talk about this shit. Um, I don't know, but I'll try to kind of uh, switch you know, some things around maybe. Uh, I am... The Right Reverend Richie X. I am the host and the founder of Surviving Fundamentalism, which is used to be a church <laughs> called Emerging Love, and now it is a podcast... Uh, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. Um, and, you know, what I do here, specific, you know, I come from, for those of you who may be listening for the first time um, or may have forgotten, it's been a while, you know, it's been over a year. Um, and so... You know, I come from a very strict Pentecostal background, oneness Pentecostal background. Um, I was also a part of a cult that I was able to escape finally in the uh, year uh, 20, um, 14 was the last time I ever stepped foot there. Um, and I've been free ever since, and I haven't gone back, haven't had a desire to go back. Um, really grateful for that. 
Um, I've talked about that journey here. I've talked about how I was raised Muslim and how I converted to Christianity. Um, I talked about being licensed to preach fairly early. I've talked about being a pastor who pastored a, a home church. I've talked about my experiences as I was navigating my autism diagnosis and a lot of the emotions I was feeling about, you know, adding another other to who I am. Um, you know, a lot of those moments are within the earlier episodes of this show. Um, I'm really grateful for you, for those of you who tune in uh, every week or tune in when you get a chance. I'm really grateful. Um, I'd love to hear from you at um, Surviving Fundamentalism on Instagram. You know, I'd love to hear some of your feedback or suggestions or things you might want me to discuss or discuss or questions you might have um, at either uh, Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism. The at handle is Surviving Fundamentalism or uh, my personal Instagram, which is Richie at it again, all one word. And that's the handle. And um, yeah. I'm interested in knowing if there's something that you would like me to personally talk about or, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you know, I started this podcast because I didn't have a me, you know, I, I was going through life feeling alone. There was no voice crying out to me in the wilderness, you know, telling me that I was going to be okay. There was, um, times where I almost lost my mind, times where I had what I now know to be an autistic um, breakdown where it's kind of like a nervous breakdown and it's just when you are, usually happens when you're undiagnosed and you are overwhelmed and masking tremendously and everything just comes to a head and you just kind of implode and... I went through that. I almost lost my mind during that period of time. I was really, really struggling and battling with um, religion and with my queerness as well as with my intellect, um, feeling as though all of these parts of me needed to be at war with one another. And rather than finding peace, I found myself melting down. Um... And it was a journey to kind of get back to a space of sanity. Um, You know, um, that was over 10 years ago. And so, you know, here I am doing this work. You know, I, I don't necessarily always do deep dives into scripture or deep dives into text, right? Um... One, because I I feel like that can get a little preachy. And some of us leave the church, although I have fun, you know, being a little churchy here. Some of us leave those spaces because, um, you know, they're spaces that trigger us. And there was something I heard earlier, a couple of days ago. Um, I forget who it was. It was an author, and she was talking about how she wanted people to feel like they were sitting down having a conversation with her. And, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, she wanted people to feel like they were having a conversation with her rather than 
feeling like she was preaching at them. And that was something I thought about here because I think a lot of times, you know, surviving Christian fundamentalism has meant the world to me, but it's also been um, at times felt like a life and death journey. It has felt incredibly extensive. And I know many people don't have this story, but for me, it has felt dramatic and traumatic. And, you know, sometimes I just felt like I, I just didn't know where to go. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes I become very impassioned about that journey and about um, helping people to think outside of that box because, again, I didn't have a me. I didn't have somebody who was passionate about helping me see other things except my college professors, right? And I'm grateful for them, but they, you know, so I I figure that those people who come to this space, um, can can hopefully get what they need. And, and, and I hope that the work that I do here is um, also important to you all. Um, And I understand that my delivery sometimes might not always be, you know, something you can listen to in the car with your children. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I wish that uh, my journey maybe was a little bit more easier, you know, lighter. And, you know, maybe that would dictate the way that my message comes across. I don't know. I don't know. And and I might be making a bunch of assumptions, right? Based on numbers that didn't, that don't really mean as much to me, you know? And so who knows? I'm, I'm being transparent in this moment because ever since I was diagnosed with autism, I, autism spectrum disorder, I strive to live my life unmasked you know i used to constantly be in a mask that i made that i invented several different masks and they helped me to navigate my life and they helped me to survive um, my life at different times um but living unmasked i keep mixing that word up living life without wearing mask is a different journey right because things that i used to be like i'm i'm mm-mm. you know i got it i got this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that you know and and really kind of t- grabbing it by the horns it's like oh it was all a lie <laughs> it wasn't you know yeah i did it but i did it afraid or I did it overwhelmed, or I did it overstimulated. And, you know, sometimes it's particularly a lot of poor people who don't have a choice, but to keep living their life despite their obstacles, often feel like that to keep going is really, regardless of how you feel, do it anyway. 
is really the best option. But what I've learned in my life is that you will ultimately traumatize yourself. And, and you don't realize it because you're just surviving. You're just like, I'm a bad bitch. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And, you know, I'm going to make it and I'm going to do this. And But what happens is you find yourself constantly, you know, on the, you find yourself one day on the urge of, an, you know, an autistic meltdown. And you don't know why. But because you've been masking all this time and you've been... uh you know, doing it scared, doing it overwhelmed, you're overwhelmed, you have all these sensory issues and all these other things that you've been totally ignoring and you've been gaslighting yourself and you've been saying, fuck that shit, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. And thinking that you are strong because you are gaslighting yourself and you are putting yourself in situations that make you feel completely uncomfortable, but because you are surviving life you are maintaining you're getting through obstacles you convince yourself that you're okay and um although many of you may not be autistic you may also find yourself masking in other ways right because we all have at some point or another worn a mask and so yeah I'd like to get the show started. Once again, this is Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely probably, oh, no, you will have a problem with this shit. I am the right Reverend Richie X, and I want to get started today on a very peculiar topic, um, particularly um, gospel music or what we might call inspirational music, right? Um, some of us, you know... We uh, listen to um, uh, contemporary worship, right? I remember I used to uh, be like anti-contemporary worship music. I have the funniest story about how I ended up getting into it. Um, I was like, that ain't got no feeling, you know? It, it ain't, you know, it ain't given, you know, it ain't given what it's supposed to have gave, right? So that's what the kids say. So I was one day watching TBN and there was this um, man who had cerebral palsy and somebody gave him a mic and this was like in my teenage years. Yes, yes, yes. I was probably like 16. And I remember I was watching TBN because that's probably all I watched at the time. I was so deep. And so I remember Do goes, you know. Imagine this man, this man has like cerebral palsy, right? And he goes, um, I could only imagine what it would be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine. And I'm like, yo, this is like, it's so I start tearing up. I become really emotional, right? So then he gets to the chorus, right? And he goes, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to, you know, 
<clears throat> I got a little choke, <laughs> like choking on my own spit there. But yeah, you know, he's saying these words and, you know, and we all basically hold this belief that like when he gets to before the throne of God, right? And he will be made whole. He will be healed. He will, he will have the, the body that he's always wanted, right? Um, and that's very interesting because we'll have to talk about the ways in which we view healing and disability too, you know? Um, it, but like, yeah, so like we're, everybody's emotional in this moment. Everybody, the people on stage is crying, the people that's in the audience are crying and we're just having this moment because we're, this man is talking about how one day he's going to be healed and dance before Jesus. And it was just, and he was, you know, um, disabled and he could not currently do that, but it was just so emotional, right? And so that was the first time in my life that I'd ever actually listened to contemporary worship music. It was, it was the first time in my life that I ever actually allowed myself to hear it. Um, and I was like, whoa, this is storytelling, right? Like, you know, this is like major storytelling, right? Because it created this whole moment, right? It's telling you this story. It says, I could only imagine what it would be like when I walk by your side, right? It's like, it's like this moment. So you're like, wow, like this is a beautiful song, right? And so I started thinking about the songwriting of these artists. And so I went and got me one of those three CDs wow contemporary music whatever and it was like three cds and it had like every poppin contemporary christian song on it and you know light of the world you step down into darkness open my eyes let me see beauty that makes this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with thee. Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. All of these songs are songs we know, songs we felt, songs we've, we've had awesome worship moments to. Some of us have had these outer body experiences. You know, we've sung them at camp. We have all these... Um, uh, moments with these types of songs. Don't get me started on, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross. You know, we were like boo-hooing, snotting, okay? By the time that song got to that... If you were Pentecostal, you know, it could have turned into a praise break after that. But we were boohooing and snotting and just thinking about this man being tortured on this piece of wood for our salvation, honey. And 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 really picturing it, right? Because those songs had a way, like country music, right, of putting 
us, I do think they are like descendants kind of of country music, right? Or maybe like traditional hymns. Because um, black gospel music worship is a little, is, is different for its own purposes, right? But these songs are heavily wordy, right? Like there's, they want to paint a picture, they're going to tell you a story, all of these things. And, you know, I'm trying to think of other songs, right? Like we used to do, these are the days of Elijah, preparing the way of the Lord. Um, you know, those songs, um, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love, we cry holy, holy, holy. I mean, there's so many songs. I'm smiling from ear to ear because there are so many songs, so many moments. All right, one more, one more, one more, because right? I'm thinking about this one, right? Um, this is a newer one, probably within the last 10 years or so. Um, Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. See, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. So I want you all to get a feeling of this. I want you all to feel the nostalgia with me. I know it feels like I'm singing a lot. It's not the microphone. I'm used to it by now. But I want you to kind of get that feeling, that feeling, because I'm going somewhere with this. Um, but there's all these moments. The biggest, biggest moment in worship, right? Because we we had the Michael W. Smiths and we had the third day. There's a light at the end of this tunnel, shining bright at the end of this tunnel for you, for you. So keep holding on. You know, we had them. We, um, we had, I think that was third day. We had um, Jeremy... Uh, camp, I believe his name was, you know, there were so many, so many songs and so many people, but the, the biggest moment was this sort of rebirth, this sort of comeback to Jesus moment with this deep, deep, deep sloppy worship, right? And it goes... He is jealous for me. I know y'all remember this one. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Yeah. When no love is sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. I, all right. So y'all y'all get it. I used to be a praise and worship leader. <laughs> I was a praise and worship leader, you know, um, but that, that, you know, he is jealous for me, baby. Dad sent the church up in smoke and know how he loves us so, oh, how he loves us, how he loves us so. Yeah, you know, that nostalgia alone is like, in that moment, that music, that stuff that makes you pause. That's the one thing about contemporary Christian music. It makes you go, whew. 
Whoa. Because you could be just churching. You could be just going through the motions. Doing the things that you do in church. Right? And the way that contemporary Christian music will, will smack you in the back of your head is, Oh, how he loves us so. Yeah, and you'd be like, yeah, oh, God. You know, you're just like, you're thinking about this being, this, you know, I have a different relationship with this being now, but you're thinking about at the time, this being, this known beyond the known is what I call it now, right? This thing, this feeling that is so much bigger than you, but yet has come to convene with you. And this thing, if nothing else, loves you and I'm going to get a little deep here as an undiagnosed autistic person with ADHD growing up in the inner city undiagnosed being treated horribly by administration students teachers being abused by students, administrators, um, being bullied, being called all kinds of names. And I was a latchkey, I had a key around my neck. My mother worked a lot, was never really around. I had a lot of independence at a very, very young age. And one of the things that I felt for a very long time that I was completely alone. As an autistic person, I was alone in my body. And in my mind, there was no one who quite thought like me, who was like me. No one could understand what I was feeling. Hell, half the time I couldn't understand what I was feeling, but I knew I was feeling something. And the adults around me oftentimes found whatever out of physically and verbally abusing me rather than being attentive to me, you know, for the longest time before they started realizing that there was something different about me and there was different ways you could address me in order for me to get it. Um, and so... I found myself finding this friend who was invisible. And as a person who felt thoroughly alone in this world, I went to church for community and I felt alone in church. I got treated like shit I went to church by myself I had no family and people thought I was weird and I used to feel things really intensely and, and I would re respond to that and so people you know just they didn't fuck with me like that and so you know this is why I love um my girl DL, um, 
I was on her podcast a while back. It's called God is My Special Interest, and, and it's also a newsletter blog um, website as well. You know, I talked about it some episodes ago, but that title is so important. One of the things that we shared in common was that we spent those hours and those times, um, you know, in our prayer closets. You know, I was on my knees, on my face, calling out to God, wanting and desiring to be everything that I was supposed to be. But really, that intimacy was created at home. You know, and I always say I met God on my bedroom floor because I didn't really meet God in church. I met religion in church. I met people in church. I built um, relationships that didn't always last in church. I learned the ways of church, but I met God at home. And God was like my best friend. If I couldn't spend that time with nobody else, I could spend it in my room on my knees, praying, um, and really reaching out for something, something other than me. So those worship moments were really created in the, in, in, in those moments. Um, and the further I went into understanding these songs, um, some of these songs you'll know, some of them you don't. But the further I went into them, the more it was like, yeah. You know, and... I brought this up because, you know, so God, God was my special interest, right? God was the, the best friend that I had. It was the, he was the thing that made me feel less lonely, less alone in the world, you know, and I put my all into trying to be something. And it really also was helping me as an autistic person to kind of have something to reach towards, right? But yeah, so, you know, there's all that. <laughs> um, that how he loves me kind of hit, how he loves us kind of hit me a little deep, but that's, that was the point, right? That was the point of those songs, you know? And don't get me started. You know, I don't know why this next one just came to mind. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. That's more recent as well. Um, popularized by Tasha Cobbs, but I believe it was done by Jesus Culture first. But, you know, here we are with these songs, these, you know. And, and one thing I saw some years ago in gospel music Particularly when Israel Halton was introduced to gospel music as a solo artist, because I think before that he played for um, for uh, Fred Hammond. But when he was introduced to the world as a solo artist, you know, we got certain things, you know. We got this fusion of gospel vibes 
in contemporary worship. I mean, Israel come, is biracial and comes from a, you know, uh, predominantly white space. And um, so we hear this sort of infusion of the gospel music that he had kind of picked up and experienced along the way with this contemporary music. And, and so we see this sort of leading energy, you know, through him. And um, you had Martha Manizzi, who was a white woman who um, had a very soulful voice. Um, and she kind of, you know, also was doing that uh, blending style, you know. Uh, Israel actually also wrote with and for her for some time as well. So, you know, you had Say the name of Jesus Say the name So precious Say the name uh, There is no other name I know That can calm your fear and Dry your tears and wipe away all your pain. When you don't know what else to say, when you don't know what else to pray, you just say the name. You know, that was worth it easy, right? And so then you have, you know, Israel and New Breed with his, um, Lord, you are good and your mercy enduring forever. You know, it's just like he's singing these Bible verses, but these Psalms, but like we had never heard it that way. It was very much um, the praise the Lord singers <laughs> with some like gospel rhythms in there. But it was very like this whitewashed version of gospel music. And it because it was different. It swept the airways, not in completion, right? Like, it didn't wipe out gospel music. Not, I don't think anything can wipe out gospel music. It's carried us too far. But it, it definitely was a... That style of making music and worshiping and all of that, those wordy songs, you know, swept their way into black churches, and what we had was this movement of like getting rid of the gospel choir for the praise team um, and having this group of six people or four people sing and that was it. No choir. No, you know, and, and, and the sound went from, you know, uh, won't he make you clean inside? You know, really big gospel songs to, um, you know, some contemporary worship music every Sunday. You know, and so it was interesting. And there was this whole movement of, like, people doing worship conferences and let me teach you how to worship, right? <laughs> it's funny because... The, the the diagram of all of this is a circle, baby. But it's very funny to me. But we had worship conferences, and they would go on for a whole week. And there would be these, like, people leading it, right? And they would be 
and the audience would, you know, be be yelling and, you know, the whole idea and the art of worship was really about, you know, getting low, getting as low as you could, like submitting yourself completely, right? Complete reverence, like we're not worthy, we're not worthy, you know, like complete reverence, like laying yourself out, being, you know, this very sometimes spooky, you know, and it would be these like Benny Hinn style wins that we were expecting to come into the church and like knock everybody out and everybody's on the floor and everybody's weeping and there's this pre- the presence of the Lord is here. Yes, Lord. And you know, there's always, you know, there's these moments that are created in these moments and you are just like and the music is very mystical, right? And the the piano, the keyboard has now gone into all strings and it's giving very much like um um it's giving very much Elvira worship, right? And the people are just oh Lord and then usually, you know, everybody gets just exhausted, right? From this, the weight that has been created in this moment. And then it's like usually quiet, right? And it gets really quiet. Everybody's on the floor. Very few people are standing up, right? And then somebody grabs the mic. Usually the worship leader who's leading the worship conference, right? And he goes, we give you all the glory. We worship you. <laughs> Everybody. And they just, and then, and if, if somebody starts singing too loud, they're like, we give you all. This very like transcendent. Meditation style. Like the keys are still in strings. The glory. We worship you, our Lord. Yeah. I went out last night. I went to a a comedy show. And I was out on the town till 2 o'clock. So that's all the yawning. I never do that on the mic. But I can't stop it. And I'm just talking. But yeah. So. It is so funny now, but these moments, this was worship. It was this thing, getting under, getting humble under the spirit of God. And then people would talk in these voices. Um, if you were at a white worship conference, you, you it'll be more like Kim Walker. And then it's like... And it was you, Lord. And it was you, Lord. You called us to worship you, Lord. And it was, and if you were in a black church, right, it was this like, oh, you come on and worship. Oh, we had deep, deep, deep worship conferences. Oh, I remember being at this one called Behind the Veil. <laughs> yes, honey, the veil in the Old Testament. That was torn. And one time it was a conference. It was women. It was called Weapons of Power. And it was hosted by Juanita Bynum. And she actually had all of these 
like the holies of holies, like a replica made. The curtains, all the different colors, the gold art, like she had all of this stuff made. And that someday during the conference, she opened the veil and had everybody, I mean, this is a stadium full of people, right? Running towards the, running towards the front. And then, <laughs> and they're all falling out and they're all passing out and they're on the ground. Like, uh, like somebody just let out carbon monoxide in this place, okay? And you could just hear the strings and all the instruments are just, you can hear the people in the audience just worshiping and thank you lord praising god and it was just this really really deep moment and i was just at home i was watching uh online like live the whole conference and i was just in my little own little space just oh yes all the worship sounds like that too and uh, we're calling on your name, Father. Ah. And if you were Pentecostal, you probably already speaking in tongues by then. You're just speaking in tongues on the mic. Oh, yeah, da, 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 da. Ah. You know, and everybody's just like, you're having these moments, right? And there were they were very important to, particularly towards white charismatic churches, um, or white churches in general, I felt like a lot of, People were, you know, I like to watch, you all know that I like to watch history and watch the history of the world um, and the church and how the church reacts to whatever's going on in the world. I've been saying since 2018 that there is something drastic happening. And, and there are these things that are going to constantly happen that are going to cause a reverse of this mass exodus. So like where people are exiting the church, you, you will have been exiting the church. What you're going to see is something major is going to happen in the world. And I thought that was COVID. COVID and I've saw a little bit of, of, of kickback since COVID. It's not COVID, though, because COVID has allowed some sort of, you know, has allowed for science and, and, and vaccines and other things to kind of help us put a, whole, a halt toward this disease, right, towards this pandemic. And so what I believe or what I have always said was going to happen was some type of war, some type of tragedy is going to come. And the church is going to use that to its own benefit to expand. And what we'll see following that is this sort of great revival of bringing people back to the church. Because so many of us are, you know, connected to that world, connected to it by way of family or friends or, um, you know, maybe like me, it was a special interest. And, you know, you are... You didn't want to lose your community. You just wanted to get away from ignorance. And it was often an either or type of thing. And for me, if I get rid of the ignorance and I go to the Unitarian 
Universalist church, you know, it'll be a nice, comfortable, cool space. It'll be, you know, free of negativity. But will it be community for me? And so that's the thing, you know, struggling with, you know, that that what is familiar to you. And so in the moment of fear, what will happen is people are going to run back to the church in droves. Because people are unsatisfied. Many people are alone. Many people feel alone. Think about 2020, 2021, the pandemic. People are still feeling that. And they're still indulging in their vices freely because they don't recognize hope anywhere else. Ah, listen to the prophet. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They don't recognize, they still can't see hope in the institution. But the institution is transforming itself. Almost as a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's transforming itself to match the ways of the world to an extent because it is sort of kind of like subconsciously preparing itself for the revival that's going to come, that's going to sweep millions of people back into the institution who have left because nothing keeps a good Christian like fear and the need for community. So if there is some sort of global atrocity or war or whatever the case may be, you can see how that's going to drag the numbers back in. The institutions will be filled. That's not to mention global warming, all the other things that are happening on the earth. And people, regardless of what you think you know, right? And regardless of how much you may know to be factual, like I know a lot of things factually. I know a lot of things don't make sense. But there's so much about fundamentalism and Pentecostalism and that world that doesn't really necessarily always make sense. You just know you feel it. You know you feel it. You know you want to be a part of a community because it's what you've known for probably a larger portion than you haven't known it. And so we'll see. We'll see, you know, how all of that unfolds. But moving on, what I really wanted to talk about here, you know what, I'm going to go to a commercial. When I come back, we will finish up on this topic of worship music and black gospel music, and we'll go from there. None of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. There is not one single thing that has ever happened to you or will happen to you that will be wasted. Everything is there showing up to make you more of who you were meant to be. And we're back. We're back. We're we're having this conversation about Christian music and worship music and and all of that um and so what led me to this i mean we were talking about the black church right we're talking about no church in the wild we've been talking about just black lives matter to god you know all these all these topics but 
the music thing, you know, I noticed even still, right, that there's this continuation of that sort of, that worship genre. But the worship genre now, in a very weird way, has, has started, kind of started with Chance the Rapper, right? And um, how he, you know, he got clean, you know, from acid and some other drugs he was taking. And then he kind of gave his life back to God. His grandmother's a pastor. And he did this very hip-hop gospel blend. Worked with Kurt Franklin, Tamala Mann. You know, did the whole, how great is our God, sing with me, how great. And then he did, you know, Fred Hammond's, are you ready for your miracle? You know, he did that. And and so it, it, you know, had these hip hop verses, you know, and hip hop itself is its own gospel in a very interesting way. Um, and so it, it had that sort of kind of brought us back around. You mix that within your Kanye. And we see this sort of full circle coming back around from contemporary worship music to music that is steeped in blackness. Why do we see that? Why do we see the the forces merge at, at Chance the Rapper's coloring book? You know, how great is our God? Are you ready for your blessing, for your miracle? We see these sort of come full circle because the climate changed. We were skating free under Bush and Obama. Not a lot was happening, not to us. You know, we had survived the 90s. <laughs> um, and, and we were skating. And so when everybody was in the glory clouds, you know, and, 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 you know, mostly indulging in contemporary worship music and writing music that was very similar to contemporary worship music, the style of it, right? And so when you have this sort of spin the block and reconnect with blackness, it's because the climate changed. 2016 exposed the underbelly of a racist America. And so you have this sort of whoop cultural reemergence, right? Like it is now important to be black. It is important to state your blackness, to claim your blackness in every aspect of your life, including your music, including your gospel music. And so we start to see people, you know, and some people never left and some people never stopped making gospel music as it was. But for the most part, what we see is this sort of come back around, right? And Kanye helps to kind of usher that moment in because he just takes on what's already been going on on the internet, right? Which is the people are taking old Kurt Franklin records that they grew up on, that they feel a sense of closeness to, right? And then they are indulging um, in all of that. And so 
you got the old Kurt Franklin records coming on. Uh, Melodies from heaven, rain down on me. And, and Kanye's got the Maverick City Girls out there, and um, and they're singing. You know, doing the best they can. Um, and their sound is all also made up of that sound, right? Um, you know, they they go for the sort of blended between contemporary and gospel, but not too gospel um, because they don't want to put, you know, white people off. And so, but they have that, that thing they do where they dabble, which is really what has kind of always happened in white Christian spaces, um, particularly... In all white Christian spaces, most white Christian spaces, but particularly in more charismatic spaces, we've always had this sort of like, you know, let's keep our pinky toe in the water um, of black gospel. And um, unless, you know, keep that sound near to us. We don't want to sing like that because we don't want to upset our parishioners too much. But we do want to borrow from the spirit of gospel. Because the spirit of gospel is about survival. The spirit of gospel is about power. I'll give you a clear example. Go listen to Jesus Culture's version of power in the name of Jesus. And then go listen to Tasha Cobb's version, the live version. <laughs> Boom vast difference that's not just a difference in 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 the way people sing in the way they enunciate mm -mm. when you hear there is power in the name of jesus it's a pretty song but when you hear there is power in the name of Jesus, there is power. It is a sound that comes up from the earth into your belly and out of your mouth. And it fills whatever space it is in. That is black gospel music. And no matter how you try to bend it, you don't necessarily get that from contemporary worship music. You get a vibe. <laughs> catch a vibe. <laughs> no, you catch a vibe. You can get a vibe. You can get a feel. Oh, Lord, we thank you. You know, you get the vibe, you know. Set a fire down in my soul. You know, you're feeling it, right? It's your... It's your Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. You know, it, it's like, y'all are vibing, y'all are worshiping, y'all are happy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, but there is something different. There is something different, right? There is some, even in, even in the way that Cam Walker leads, um, Oh, how he loves us, right? Because she's borrowing that sound from somewhere. 
that's that you know very preachy oh god we're calling on your name jesus we know you love us oh god all of that is black black worship that comes from black spaces but the way it feels so bold and that's that's something you know that's as close as you're going to get to it within white contemporary worship and the reason I brought it up, because an old memory, the reason all this is coming together is an old memory popped up, and I had a friend who was really, really interested in contemporary worship music. He loved it, and he always wanted to sing it. He had a very soft voice. He liked gospel music, but he was in love with contemporary worship music, and... And we were having this conversation, and, and, and uh, hey, Corey, shout out to you. Um, but he goes, I just, you know, contemporary worship music is, it just feels so pure. Like, the words are just all about God. And, but gospel music feels like it's all about struggle. And when he said it at the time, I thought, hmm, I guess I can, you know, see that. But it was un in recent times and in my connection to um, African traditional religion and understanding my history, understanding the history of Africans um, across the, the diaspora, um, Africans in the Caribbean, Africans in the Americas, um, who have used our traditional Africanness in our worship here. And I've talked about this in No Church in the Wild. Um, the way we bring it up from the earth, bring it up through our bodies from the elements, from the wind, from the earth. We bring it up through our bodies and we pull it out of our mouth. And we connect not only to the earth, but to God and to the ancestors and to healing and to power and to strength. We connect to all of that. You know, when somebody says, you know, the, the call and response, you know, I, I, I used to go to, you know, a church where they said, you know, everything be quiet and somebody go, power! And the whole congregation go, power, Lord, power! Power, Lord, Lord, we need power, Lord, power, power, Lord. And you can, and everybody kind of shoots up. You can feel it, right? And then, you know, whoever's leading will say, power to walk right, power, Lord, power to talk right, power, Lord, power, power, Lord. You know, and, you know, and then there's other songs, right, where we'd be sitting there, you know, services going on, somebody go, Send it on down, Lord. Send it on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. Send it on down, Lord. Send it on down. 
And so that call and response, Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. You know, power, power, Lord, power, power, Lord. Lord, we need power, Lord. That black experience, that experience is from the soul. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Navigating the trails. Escaping. I talked about it with Ta-Nehisi Coates and the Water Dancer. How we call into the spirit. We call it. We need it. Power, Lord. Power, Lord. Because you got to get us out of this. And we might not always be able to leave physically, but we got to leave this. We got to transition out of this space, out of this mind. Somebody needs you, Lord. You know, another thing they used to say, come by here, Lord, come by here. You know, you know the white folks used to sing that at camp, they go, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Mm-mm, baby, that ain't how you sing that song. But you know, the people, the people don't know. Because it's not kumbaya, it's kumbaya. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come by here, my Lord. Come by here. Come by here, my Lord. Come by here. Oh, come by here, my Lord. Come by here. You know, and then they say, somebody needs you, Lord. Come by here. Oh, somebody's praying, Lord. Come by here. You know, and the thing they were, they were pulling up that strength that they needed. From the elements, from the water, the guidance. You know, even when I used to listen to the elders pray, I got chills going down my back. I used to listen to the elders pray and they would say, things, somebody needs you, Lord. We're calling on your name, Lord. Somebody's praying, Lord, right now, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you. We need eyes to see and ears to hear. And they would pray these prayers that sound like they were singing. And then sometimes they didn't have no more words. They pray all the words. Sometimes they couldn't read. They didn't know no whole lot of words, and they didn't know no whole lot of scripture. So they they'll go. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, yes, yes Lord, and you hear him do that. And you're like, what is that? <laughs> when you're little, like me, and you go to church, and you go to church alone. And so all of these feelings are very new, right? There are all these feelings. I've never, I never really, I didn't grow up in a black church, right? I was Muslim. But I knew this thing. I knew it. I knew it in my body. I knew it. I knew it was something. I didn't know all of what it was, but I knew it was familiar to me. It's like when somebody say, you know, you know, all those songs that used to be Negro spirituals, right? And they get, and they get up there and they sing those songs. You know, they sing them now, all polished. But it used to be, 
I got a crown up into that kingdom, ain't that good news? I got a crown up into that kingdom, ain't that good news? They say, I'm gonna lay down this world, gonna shoulder up my cross, take it home to my Jesus, ain't that good news? You hear them words? You know, Mahalia Jackson used to say, How I got over, somehow I made it over. My soul looks back and wonder, how did I make it over? These are so much more than struggle songs. If I can't say nothing, Lord, I'll just sing, Lord. In the Church of God in Christ, they didn't have nothing else to say. They just go, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. And they say yes to your way. Yes to your will. My soul say yes. Yes, yes. My soul says yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Open your mouth and say yes. <laughs> that was the thing that got us through. You know, when them folks sang by and by when the morning comes. You got to think about what these people was going through. No clean water. Using fabric. The little bit of clothes they had sometimes, you know, got the rain and squeeze the water through it to get the, the impurities out. You got no clean water. You got no running water. And they're sleeping on stacks of hay. And you got no land. I learned about a family who was enslaved up until the 1960s in this country. Didn't know they were free. How the men took turns on the wife and the daughter. And they slept under a porch on stacks of hay. They didn't even have a house. She said they ate grasshoppers and worms and rabbits and frogs and whatever else they could eat. And um, so... And I know that, like, sometimes in New Age, you know, we get we get high and mighty, right? We, you know, we get our new education. <laughs> and we have therapy and we have all these things. But to be enslaved in a place that ain't even your home and to be surviving off the bare minimum, if that, not even the bare minimum, less than that, sleeping on stacks of hay, being sexually assaulted, physically assaulted every it, everybody else is free and you ain't 
y'all don't even know that there's any freedom for you. And and so sometimes all you got is mm-hmm. you know, they used to say, by and by when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathering home. We will tell the story of how we overcome. Yes, we'll understand it better by and by. You know, they would say we understand it better by and by. And I have no answers. Not of them ain't had no way out. But they had to have some kind of something. And, you know, oftentimes it becomes... And, and and the same thing happens often with what they call blue-eyed soul, blue-eyed soul, white folks singing jazz music, white folks singing soul music, white folks singing R&B music, white folks singing their version of gospel music. And, you know, they often take over or mimic or learn the sounds so they can regurgitate the sounds and get as close to the black voice as possible. And it's celebrated. And even black people celebrate it and purchase it. And, you know, because it, it, you know, it sounds good, right? You know, and so, will they do these blendings, you know, of the black sound with the, the white style and, you know, and you get all these crossover gems and hits and things. But they do that without the struggle. They don't want the struggle. <laughs> they want everything it takes to be black but to be black. Child, and they don't they don't want none of that struggle. They don't want none of that pain. But we don't have a choice. Because whether we even though we don't currently exist in these states, you know, in this space. Many of us have been handed down the pain. And by way of abuse, by way of psychological, you know, pathology, all of it. You know, so when I think of my friends and them saying like, oh, you know, white music just makes me think about God and I don't have to think about the struggle. Like, yeah, everybody goes through it, but we can just look at God. And I thought to myself when he said that, um, okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know that I had many words at the time, but when it came back to me the other day, I thought about, how many people think like that? And how many people struggle? You know, like they're, they're like, oh, I'm going to worship, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to this worship. And, they, you know, so many black people have even joined white movements, reform church. The, the, so many people have joined these spaces 
And what they do not realize is the white supremacy which with which governs that space. But it is cloaked in um, spiritual superiority, rightness, right with God. We got the right way, proper scriptural interpretation. Many of these people who are governing these spaces have deep-seated racism and self-hatred and white supremacist values in their hearts, in these spaces. To them, Christian equals white. When they say good Christian man, they mean a white person. There is no connection to blackness, to the black experience, to any of that. They don't want it unless it's going to make them feel good. But many people have navigated to that space in culture. And I'll tell you why. Because it is easier sometimes to pretend none of it exists. Focus on the God outside of yourself. It's a survival tactic. I'm not black, I'm Christian. And what did I talk about a couple weeks ago? You have internalized that your black life does not matter to your God. So why would I try or choose to, to put my blackness before my God? And so, all of these things, as they are, You know, it is what it is. But I thought all of this would be something so interesting for us to talk about. I'm already over time. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, you know, probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. My name is uh, the Right Reverend Richie X, and I'll see you next time. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at instagram.com slash surviving fundamentalism or instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will 
be back next week.